Welcome, friends, to JOY, a podcast in which our conversations about life and faith always include Jesus, others, and you. I am your host, the Reverend Mary Vano, and the rector of St. Margaret's Episcopal Church in Little Rock, Arkansas. Today, I'm very pleased to be reconnecting with a friend of mine from our time in seminary. The Reverend Lisa Sanuda is now the Canon for Spiritual Life and Clergy Care in the Episcopal Diocese of Kansas, a role in which she works to strengthen the spiritual lives of faithful people. Lisa is also a spiritual director and a leader of contemplative retreats. I've always known her to be a person of wisdom, good humor, and joy, which makes her a wonderful guest for our podcast here. Lisa, I'm so grateful to have you on our show today. Well, I am so grateful. What a perfect platform for conversation about significant things, and you can listen to it at your leisure. It is great. That reminds me, when I first started this podcast, it was June of 2020, and we were all still on lockdown, and I think I just needed to have some people to talk to and to laugh with. (laughs) So if that's all we do today, I'm totally good with that. (laughs) And my memory is we all needed more joy back then. We did, and we still do. So I'm glad to still be doing this program. And I saw Lisa a few months ago at an event we were both attending and she said, yes, I'll be on your podcast. And then she suggested to me that we talk about Brother Lawrence and the spiritual gift of finding God everywhere. Lisa, tell us about Brother Lawrence. Maybe start by telling us who is Brother Lawrence? Brother Lawrence is a great mystic to bring forward today in our 21st century and to guide us in a conversation that leads us toward more joy. Brother Lawrence was a 16th century kitchen monk. He spent most of his day when he was not in formal prayer times at the monastery in the kitchen cooking and cleaning. He is just a delightful teacher of the mystical way because he discovered how to sustain a sense of union with God among the pots and the pans. So 16th century, those were crazy times. Protestant Reformation, there was a lot going on in Europe. And the way I know Brother Lawrence is that he wrote a book that is kind of a Christian classic, The Practice of the Presence of God. That book is readily available, but actually he didn't write it. So let me, oh. yeah, let me tell you about it. <laughs> okay. Very, he's very interesting because he wasn't a scholar or a teacher or a preacher. He was a peasant. He became a French Carmelite monk, but he was born as a peasant. He really just was trying to survive. And so quite young, he first joined the military in France. So talk about crazy times in the Thirty Years' War. And he sustained an injury there in battle that caused him pain, sometimes severe pain. He had a limp for the rest of his life. He was also known as sort of being sickly. So that was part of what we know about him. He became a part of the Carmelite Monastery in Paris. Some of you also might have heard of John of the Cross or Teresa of Avila. So he was discalced just like they were, which Mm -hmm. means that they were contemplative or sustaining a presence of God through quiet prayer. He wasn't a scholar, a teacher, a preacher. We wouldn't even know him at all, except that a priest visiting the abbey met him. And through their exchanges and conversation and letter writing to each other, this priest found this spiritual joy and depth in Brother Lawrence that compelled him. It compelled him so much that he transcribed some of these teachings. And in the end, he gave the eulogy 
at Brother Lawrence's funeral. And that eulogy is what became such a prolific piece of work. It became a pamphlet, as there were many sort of spiritual pamphlets at that time. So many sort of lay people, peasants had this pamphlet as teaching them a method to what Brother Lawrence called practicing the presence of God. That priest was Joseph de Beaufort, and he worked in the cardinal's office. Those otherworldly kind of teachings, the mystical teachings, Brother Lawrence took and brought this sort of mystical knowledge into what would be called like a recipe. He made what was mystical more of a simple recipe for how to sustain a sense of God's presence in your daily life, no matter what's going on. That recipe is called the spiritual maxims. What is mysticism then? He's taking something mystical and making it, I don't know if the right word is ordinary, but daily present. So what is mysticism or what is a mystic? Probably one of my favorite things to talk about because a mystic is technically a person who seeks by contemplation or self-surrender to obtain unity with God or absorption into the divine. So mystical is often misunderstood as out of this world, a knowledge that somebody Mm -hmm. who takes themselves out of the world and moves into sort of a transcendent mental space, then they gain or apprehend this mystical knowledge or given this mystical knowledge. But actually, it's just self-surrender in the midst of what is ordinary and experiencing God with you in what is ordinary or a sense of union with God in the ordinary. Brother Lawrence helps Mm -hmm. us to clearly see is that all spiritual knowledge or mystical knowledge is mediated. It has to come through. It comes through being human, being carnal, being a body with senses, a mind, feelings, physical, the wild of nature, community with others, that God is mediated through these things to show God's self to us. That's really helpful to me, actually, because as we're having this conversation, I'm remembering that years ago, someone told me that I was a mystic, that they saw me as a mystic, and I just thought they were crazy. (laughs) You know, I think of myself anyway as being really grounded and kind of right here in the world, often distracted even by what's right around me. But I also know that I am certainly someone who seeks God and seeks to be present with God in my life. So I suppose that's what they were observing about me. That's a more accessible idea of what it is to be a mystic. It's not just somebody who's got their head in the clouds, so to speak, but is actually grounded and present and here in the world while also knowing the presence of God. And someone who's able in this grounded presence to see whether it's the person in front of us or like Brother Lawrence, a tree, which is where his mystical awakening begins, that there is something more than just the tree. There's something more than just the person. The tree is revealing to us something more. The person in front of us is pointing us to something more beyond them. 
So his awakening started around, he was in the military, he was still pretty young. And the way he tells it is that he was gazing upon this dormant tree with bare limbs. And while he was looking at it, he had a vivid realization of the divinity of all things, and that the dormant tree was not just a dormant tree, it was also new life springing forth at the same time. And that he and his body was feeling lifeless and that he too, something new was emerging in him as well. And the paradox that not just what we see or experience in ourselves, but the way we experience everything can bring forth this mystical experience of union, the feeling of lifelessness that he was having was also leading him to experience the new life that was emerging. Even when he's looking at the plain pots and pans and the huge pile of potatoes to peel, that is full of this divine presence that is revealing itself to him, right with him in the moment. I love that idea that the dormant tree, it's not dead. And there is something happening in the tree, even if we can't see it, life is developing. And so it's a matter of opening to that revelation, to that truth. So I'm really curious to know about Brother Lawrence's recipe. This is the part I get very excited about because his maxims or his recipe are just so simple. That idea of practicing the presence of God, that there's this way that we can not just have a fleeting mystical experience with a tree, but we can actually build a capacity for this. This is what our practices do or whatever you do, you're walking, you're slow coffee in the morning, you're whatever you're doing. These things are building a capacity or an ability for us to nurture this Mm -hmm. sense of presence. For Brother Lawrence, common business, no matter how mundane or routine, this one author wrote, was the medium of God's love. The issue was not the sacredness or the worldly status of the task, but the motivation behind it. He says, nor is it needful that we should have great things to do. We can do little things for God. I turn the cake that is frying on the pan for love of him. (laughs) So he's taking all these ordinary things and he's building a capacity through his maxims to see more than the cake frying in the pan, to see this as an experience of time with God and God with him. So we live in this 21st century. We're busy, busy, busy people, right? So we don't have necessarily a long time for devotion or prayer techniques. Brother Lawrence is perfect for us because he says, I abandon all my prayer techniques. (laughs) (laughs) My only practice is attention. I carry on a habitual, silent, and secret conversation with God that fills me with overwhelming joy. An ongoing conversation with God. I'd like to listen in on that. (laughs) I would have loved to have listened in with Mm -hmm. him. He was known as being somebody that was very radiant. It just in his personhood, you, you had a sense of being with God. So let's get into his maxims. I'd like to read them and kind of expound on them a little bit, but they won't take long. As I said, they're very terse. The first one, I think, is maybe the most important. He says, when we undertake the spiritual life, we must consider in depth who we are. So he doesn't start with a technique. 
He doesn't start with scripture even. He starts with ourselves and that if we want spiritual knowledge, we want a sense of God with us, we first have to be present to ourselves. Present to yourself and know yourself. I mean, there's a well of discovery waiting for us when we take time to see, really see who we are and be self-reflective. In the moment, even to be aware, I'm hungry, I'm tired, I'm overwrought, or I'm excited, whatever it is, overall, our personality, to know our personality, be at peace with it, I think, even the depth of who we are, but also in the moment, how we are doing. So prayer begins with this paying attention to self. Sometimes we mistake our thoughts for ourselves, if that makes sense. We all have this running inner dialogue, but if we can step outside and observe those thoughts, we realize that we actually are not our thoughts, that there's something beneath that. I think he got this very busy inner life and that prayer begins with quieting that busy inner Mm -hmm. life Mm -hmm. through self-awareness. And there's something in there when we can get into that self-awareness, we can also discover God's presence there with us. We sort of slow down. And like you say, we start watching our thoughts instead of immediately thinking we are our thoughts. And it leads to the second one and the maxims. And it says, he just calls it the little interior glance. So our prayer, our building this capacity to sense God with us in on all things begins with simply a little interior glance. And he calls it this way. He says, an utterly simple remembrance, a glance Godward, a brief thought, a flash of acknowledgement, a tiny reminding. It doesn't necessarily mean looking inward. It just happens interiorly. And he says, to help this little interior glance, you could use an object So we have prayer beads or icons or crosses. This is something we probably all are doing already, right? Right. But we don't have a name for it. Mm -hmm. Interior glance. So we start there and then this ladder just keeps going and these through these maxims takes us into, okay, if you've done that little interior glance and you want more, what's the next maxim? (laughs) And the next one is a little prayer that love inspires. And he says, this is a simple word or phrase. It could be an image, anything that symbolizes your desire for the divine. And you plant it inside and intentionally recall it so that it becomes habitual. be sustained? Would it be a prayer that would be sort of a totem for you, something that you hold on to? Mm-hmm. It's not unlike Thomas Keating talks about centering prayer, having, yes. having a word. I think mm-hmm. it's similar to that. I think it's similar to a mantra. And again, it is very much his own way of teaching this. It's like those. It's a little different. Uh-huh. A little prayer that love inspires. I like it because I think he really wants this to not be about emptying the mind or mm-hmm sort of being rigid, but rather opening the heart that love Uh inspires, opening the heart to God. 
planted in there. I like how that's just a little differently focused because I find emptying the mind to be really challenging. But if I'm focused more intently on opening the heart, I think there's a greater potential there. So number four is Uh conversing everywhere with God. So this he calls cultivating a relationship with the holy, sensing or remembering the presence of God with you as you go through your day, a desire to see and do everything in God's company. Prayer is always about remembering because human beings are forgetful. It's no surprise that Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me, because we're just so forgetful. These maxims are reminding us of this, that we need this something built in to cultivate this continual remembering and how forgetful we are. And so this is the next layer is sort of seeing that we are always in God's company. There's nowhere we can go that God is not. And going from just, you know, we have the totem, a physical item or a word or a phrase. And now it's like, this is a companion. This is a companion with me. I'm not washing the dishes by myself. I am companioned in washing these dishes. There is the soap, the dish, the water, me and God just this constant companionship that he felt he was always conversing with God. Imagine that to be a life of real insight when you're aware of the presence of God with you at all times. That just must be eye-opening frequently. Yeah. And to see everything as God's companionship. Often when you were a monk in the kitchen, what we know is that you sort of had one of those half doors there and people would come to the door, knock, and they would ask for something to eat. Or <laughs> But Brother Lawrence was known as somebody that they could go to for to confide in for spiritual direction. You can just imagine he was constantly interrupted. And so that sense that this is my companion this is God interrupting me (laughs) (laughs) to cultivate that sense of that. What is happening is with God and not something to be annoyed with. That's the grace you see there. You know, you wake up you're like, Oh, I long for that. (laughs) Interruptions is an interruption. (laughs) It's a reframing of how you're experiencing life, not just as busyness from task to task to task, but rather as maybe interruptions, but surprises, opportunities. What is God doing with me right now? How is God with me? But every moment is God companioning us. It wasn't to take away the pain in his leg. God wasn't with him to take away the pain in his leg. God wasn't there to take away the suffering that he endured. God wasn't there to take away the load that he bared, because I think it's pretty clear he had a pretty big load to bear as the kitchen monk. God is with me in a loving, companioning way. And I think so often we sort of think, if God is with me, then this (laughs) should be happening. But this is Brother Lawrence saying, God is just in all that is as it is. It's a really transformative notion about how to be present in the world. Okay, I think that's four maxims. Okay, this is the last one. Last one. This is a good bumper sticker. The loving gaze that finds God everywhere. So this is his way of describing an all-embracing awareness. It doesn't focus on this or that. It no longer tries to attend to God as something other than but rather senses, knows, trusts the divine presence that pervades everything 
one is aware of. So this we would call contemplation, pure gift, right? This isn't something we can make happen. This loving gaze is something that awakens through us. God's really yielding to God in us and Mm -hmm. able to see everything as the image of God around us. And probably fleeting. (laughs) (laughs) That's the nature of mystical awareness is it's always fleeting. It's not something we sustain 24-7. We're just trying to build in a deepening capacity for it. It is fleeting by nature. To be human is to be in this temporal passing nature (laughs) that we are in. But we have these times where the loving gaze that finds God everywhere, like we really awaken to see things all as one. And it's directed by love. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you go back through, the invitation is really about an open heart where you are considering the depth of who you are, where you are building in some sort of little interior glance, where you build in a prayer that love inspires just to help inculcate this inside of yourself, conversing everywhere with God, and then finally a loving gaze that finds God everywhere. That's the whole practice. The first maxim, which is about self-awareness. The second one was? That little interior glance. This one is the one that includes objects, a passage, an icon, any little aids. You might have a little aid. So the interior glance. Then number three? The little prayer that love inspires. So this habitual Mm -hmm. phrase or image memory, Mm -hmm. conversing everywhere with God. So that companionship with God, God is with me and all that I'm doing and all that is coming to me. It's not just me. God is my companion. And then finally, the loving gaze that finds God everywhere. So we move from seeing ourselves to seeing God. He said a couple of things here. He said, when we walk in the presence of God, the busiest moment of the day is no different from the quiet of a prayer at an altar. Even in the midst of noise and clutter, while people's voices are coming at you from all directions, asking for your help with many different things, you can possess God with the same serenity as if you were on your knees in church. So we can find God everywhere. I love that because it says, take church into your whole life. You know, that was the theme of my sabbatical a few years back, finding God in our everyday lives. And in 2017, I took a sabbatical and I wrote a grant to fund the sabbatical. Part of what I wanted to do was to be able to see God in our everyday lives. At the time, my kids were 14 and 10 years old, and life, of course, was busy and full but also so fleeting. When you have kids, you definitely feel just how quickly they grow up. And I thought that that time in sabbatical could be used to help me slow down a little bit and recognize where God is in the midst of our daily lives. And specifically for me at that time, it was important for me to be able to see that in my family life. I got to do some fun things like studying photography 
I'm no expert by a long shot, but I learned to use my camera better and learn to think of it as a way of stepping back just far enough so that I could get some perspective on what is right in front of me. That was great fun. And one of the things we did, I think the very first Sunday I was off, my parents were in town and my brother came over. So it was my whole family. We were not in church, but we decided to have church at home. So we gathered around our dining room table and had communion together. And there was something just truly stunning to me about experiencing that holiness that I'm used to experiencing in community with the church, but bringing that home. I'm not sure I've ever looked at my dining room quite the same way since then. I so love that story because, and I think Brother Lawrence would just be tickled pink about it because what it's inviting is the priesthood of all believers. So it really didn't matter that Mary was a priest in that moment because what you were doing is seeing the holy in what was just your home life and the people that were there and the ages that they were and the, you know, the squirreliness, I'm sure of that. <laughs> right. <too>. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that this is blessed uh-huh. by God. We need a moment to remember why we're here, the gift of belonging to each other and belonging in life at this time together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you didn't think he wasn't a priest, he wasn't a theologian, he's just a regular guy and was able to sort of so beautifully talk about how everything is shimmering (laughs) with this (laughs) presence of God. I can see why so many people visited him at his kitchen door. (laughs) It's probably not just for the snack. Well, I'm grateful for the witness of Brother Lawrence. I think that's a great topic for those of us who may be a little less familiar for us to explore. That book still is out there, even though apparently I was wrong. It was not written by Brother Lawrence, but the practice of the presence of God is out there and you could explore these ideas further. Yeah, it's a small book and it's been reprinted so many times by so many different authors from different denominations. It's very deeply beloved by deeply Protestant people and Catholic people. So it's easy to find on Amazon or wherever. And there's guidebooks with little workbooks in the back. And most of the books contain the eulogy, and then they contain a bunch of these letters and expose on the maxims. Because you don't even need it, really. You've got the gist of it. Just start where you are. Start with yourself. And let love... Go pick up some dishes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Go pick up some dishes. That's a great idea. Well, you know, this is a podcast that's all about joy. And I think at one point you said that this teaching of Brother Lawrence is meant to lead us to joy. What brings you joy, Lisa? Today is my youngest child's 15th birthday. Oh, happy birthday. So definitely my family brings me joy. The other thing that brings me joy is, do you know that sound that your shoes make when you step on gravel for a hike? Yes, (laughs) I I know exactly the sound. (laughs) I love that sound. (laughs) Of course, having a conversation with you, Mary, that's absolutely joy. Where do you like to go hiking? You're in Kansas. Do you have good places to go hiking? There are places to hike here in Kansas in the Flint Hills, uh, but probably most often I've been in the Rocky Mountains. Well, you bring me joy, Lisa Sanuda. 
you even brought me joy when we were making our arrangements and you said you'd be practicing your radio voice and reminded me of Saturday Night Live and the old delicious dish sketch. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, <laughs> super. <laughs> Well, I'm so glad that you joined us today. Thank you so much for spending time with me and for reminding us and teaching us about Brother Lawrence and how we can find God in our everyday lives. I think our joy is complete today. Listeners, I'm grateful for you too. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions, send an email to me at mvano at stmargaretschurch.org. Please join us again next time because our J-O-Y is not complete without you. This is a production of St. Margaret's Episcopal Church in Little Rock, Arkansas. Thanks to Stephen Bano, who composed and performed our theme music, and to Heidi Soule, our producer. Mm-hmm.